Just tell him how much he means to you. Tell him how much you value being in his presence. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, I'm still, I'm still enjoying those amazing songs that were just sung. Every one of them had a profound message that is very relevant to our present day life and in particular to what we are going through as a nation and as, as a global family. Uh, to be able to know that God is still on the move and that he's still doing wonders and that he's still raising the dead and that he's still slaying giants. And, and we see this COVID-19 as a giant. To many, it seems invincible, but God is still in the business of slaying giants. And so amazing songs. And then to end with that song, you're the one that really matters. Um, really, that's, that's the topic of my, or the theme of my message. I'm going to begin a series of messages on the book of Philippians. And though I don't preach every week, but on the weeks that I do preach, I'm going to continue this message on the book of Philippians. Philippians is a very interesting book. It is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the brothers in Philippi, uh, this was a group of people that he had a very close relationship with, though it was not a city that he stayed for very long, but yet he developed a bond with the believers in Philippi. And you'll be able to see the closeness in their, their love, in their communion with one another, uh, in the content, content of what he, of what he ex expresses to them through this letter. And so I want to be speaking today I'm going to start in chapter 1, but it has to do with, because really what Paul speaks about in this letter, the, the, the essence of the letter is uh, how much Jesus Christ and, and the privilege of him being able to be a herald of the gospel of Jesus Christ matters more to him than even his own life, than his comforts, than his safety. And so we're living in a time really where where. We have, to, we have the time now to really do a self-evaluation, a self-examination. And one of the things that I quickly discovered during this season where we've been quarantined, I think we're going on seven weeks now, is that the things prior to this situation that has happened, the things that I considered valuable and the things that I, that I thought mattered most in my life 
were not necessarily as valuable as I thought they were. Sometimes we live a life putting value and giving importance to things that really are not that important. And to things that in the, in the, in the context of eternity really hold very little value. And so Paul is going to speak to this, 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 this church, and I believe he's going to speak to us during these messages, amen, to help us to reprioritize our lives, to reevaluate our value system, to reconsider what are the things that we have hold or held esteemed to us or precious to us or valuable to us, but as we look at them in the context of what we're facing now, as a people, as a nation, as a global community, we come to the realization that they're not really as important or as valuable as we thought they were. And so this is why I want to speak to you today. And in the coming Sundays when I preach, I want to speak to you about what really matters to you. And I want to speak to it in the context of does Jesus really matter to you? Does God really matter to you? I've come to discover that it is so easy for getting, us to get into the mood when we sing a song. And the, 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 the context of the message of that song could easily bring us into a place where, 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 where we feel uh, 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 different than what we would uh, uh, in, in a normal sense, amen. And we sing these songs, and every time I sing these songs, they elevate me to, to another level. They, they bring me to a place of encountering God in a more intimate way. And, but, but at the end of the song and at the end of the service, I always must ask myself the question, did what I sing or is what I'm singing really practical in my life? Because we just finished singing a song about saying that you're the one that really matters. And so I think there's no better time for us to find out where in our value system have we placed Jesus? Where in our list of priorities have we placed the, the, the great responsibility that every believer has, which is to be a carrier of the glory of God and to be, amen, a proclaimer of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where in our value system, where in our list of priorities have we held those two amazing privileges that we have been given? Number one, to know Jesus. Number two, to be his ambassadors, to be the ones that would herald the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. And so I just pray that as we, as we, we, we share this word, that you would be able to discover where Jesus and where your responsibility as a believer to take the gospel, where are those right now in your list of priorities? And where are they in your value system? How much do you value them? And the purpose of this message is not to bring you to, to, bring you to a place of guilt, but it's to bring you to a place of conviction. It is bring, to bring you to a place of recognition, recognizing. Amen. And we have all the time in the world for these past seven weeks, and God knows for how much longer this will last. We have all the time in the world to really reevaluate, restructure, reprioritize the things that really matter in this life. You know, I realized during these seven weeks that even in ministry, we place ministry and things that we do in ministry in such a high priority. And sometimes we do it at the expense of knowing Jesus more. And so we could get so busy, so busy with life, so busy with ministry, so busy with, with programs, so busy, amen, with, with doing church that we could easily forsake the only thing that's going to matter when we appear before God on that day. What did we do with Jesus? Many will say in that day, I did a lot of things for Jesus. I did a lot of things in the name of Jesus. But he will say, depart from me. Evildoers or doers of iniquity. Because 
the, the, the value in God's, in God's sight and the value in God's heart is not how much we do, but how much we know him, how intimate we are with him, how close we are to him. And so this is really what Paul addresses in this book. Now, I want you to go with me to chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. I'll be reading today from the Amplified Bible. Um, but whatever version you have works just fine. Amen. As long as it's not one of those versions that have added or subtracted from the Word of God. And I don't want to mention no names of other religions that claim to have the Word of God, but really they've altered it. So as long as it's not one of those versions, you could read from whatever version you have there available to you. We read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take a moment here because introductions in the Jewish culture, but also in many cultures, introductions are very uh, important. And so, uh, for example, in Asian countries, introductions play a major role. So if you, if you go to an Asian country or, or if you're in, in an Asian culture, amen, there is a from, formal protocol for exchanging even business cards in a business setting. In diplomacy, ambassadors present credentials to the host country from the nation they represent. In the academic circles, they are required to render a formal resume that would highlight the significant achievements and qualifications that would give them the qualifications for them to, to do what they have been invited to do. So for example, there are a lot of things about my life that I can tell you that would give you some information on me, but they're really not relevant as it relates to me speaking to you tonight. So if I was to be introduced tonight to preach this message, and the person that introduced me would say, well, we want to have Pastor Jay come up. He is a very uh, passionate uh, basketball fan. Oh, we want to have Pastor Jay come up. He is a very uh, avid uh, 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 New York Yankee fan. What relevance does that have with the assignment that I've been called to do? And so... What my interests are are irrelevant to the assignment that I've been called to do. And so Paul, when he introduces himself in every one of his, his letters, amen, he's not simply introducing what things he likes, but he's actually introducing himself with credentials that qualify him to write the letter and to address whatever issue it is that he's going to address with the readers or the, 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 the recipients of this letter. And so if, if you look at the letters that he wrote, you'll find and discover that he uses many different credentials or qualifications. Depending on who he, whom he's writing to, he would identify himself with credentials that would qualify him to write to them and to address the issues that he's about to address. And so this is why it's very important when we read the introduction that Paul gives of himself to the people of Philippi as he, as he writes in verse number one and he presents himself as a bondservant. In other versions, it says, as a slave of Jesus Christ. Because the context in which he's going to write, the exhortations that he's about to give to the people of Philippi, amen, it is necessary for them to know him as one qualified to give these exhortations. Because he's not speaking, amen. Sometimes it's easy for us to speak uh, positive things when we haven't gone through crisis. Sometimes it's easy for us to give encouraging words when we have not been tested or when we have not gone through a trial. 
It's easy for me to tell someone, listen, you got to trust God. You got to believe in God. But if I haven't had been, if I have not been put in a situation where my faith has been tested, amen, where I've been tried, where I've been processed, where I've been, where where I've gone through the fire and amen, and made it through, then my words of encouragement or or encouraging someone to have a strong faith, amen, they only carry a minimum amount of weight. So when Paul introduces himself, he speaks from a place of someone that has lived and has experienced what he's about to exhort his readers about. And so Paul begins by introducing himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the Galatians, Paul introduced himself. If you read the the letter to the Galatians, he introduces himself as the apostle. Why does he use the credential of an apostle? Because some folks had filtered in to the, to, into Galatia and they, had, they, had, they were trying to confuse the brethren in Galatia and trying to make them question and doubt Paul's apostleship. And so they were trying to question, he's not qualified. He's not qualified for you to follow him. He's not qualified for you to hear his teachings. And they questioned his apostle. Why, why would he be an apostle? He didn't walk with Jesus. He didn't live with Jesus like the other 12 did. And so they were questioning his apostleship. So he introduces himself in the book of, of, of Galatians. He, he calls himself an apostle, not from men, nor by men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. In other words, I am not a self-made apostle. I am not calling myself an apostle just for the sake of having a nice title or for people to have me in this pedestal or have some reverence or respect for me. No, I am an apostle because God chose me to be an apostle, because Jesus Christ appointed me to be an apostle, because though I didn't walk with him, I didn't live like the other apostles lived with him, but I had an encounter with him, amen, face to face. And in that encounter, not only did he transform me, not only did he change me, but he gave me my assignment, and that was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And so I introduced myself to the Galatians as an apostle because I have the credentials. My credential is the calling that God has given me and that God has placed upon my life. You know, we're living in an age where people live for titles. Not only in the corporate world, but even in the religious world. People live for titles. I remember one time, A friend of mine, he gave me a call and he says, Pastor Jay, I have a great offer. There's a university in California that they're willing to give you an honorary doctorate degree. And so my question to him, really? Wow, that's interesting. Immediately, you know, the human side of me, man, whoa, that that would be a beautiful title. Uh, to precede my name, Dr. J. Maldonado. And so he tells me, listen, the only thing that we need, you got to send $1,500. <laughs> and so right there, all the red, red lights went on, all the red flags were raised, amen. And immediately my humanity was checked by the Holy Spirit. And I told him, if I have to pay for a degree, That means that I never earned it. If I have to pay for a title, that means that I'm still governed by pride. That means that I'm still interested in what man thinks of me rather than what God thinks of me. So do me a favor. I love you as a friend, but you could take the offer and you could take that degree and trash it because it's rubbish. Today we live, people are, are, are living for, for titles. People love to be called the reverend or the apostle or the prophet. Two of the hot ones today is apostle and prophet. Everybody wants to be an apostle, and those that are not apostles, they want to be prophets. But the question is, who has given you the credential? Are your credentials given to you by self-ambitions? Are your credentials given to you, amen, by by your own prideful desires and aspirations? Or is it God who has called you into the office of an apostle, of a prophet, of an evangelist, of a pastor, of a teacher? 
See, in this church, and I, I was speaking to a relative of my mother, and he was saying, man, you know, I got three doctorates. I got two masters. And man, as I was listening to this guy speak, I said, oh my God, this guy sounds like he's in the, in the, in the, in the, in the hills of Puerto Rico up there, amen, uh, climbing palm trees because his, his, his vocabulary, in other words, his, his ability to, 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 to speak was so, was so elementary, but yet he was boasting. And I didn't even ask him what he accomplished. I never, but of course, people that are prideful, they always have to make sure that they know, that you know who they are. And whenever you have to, identify yourself, amen, that's, that's a dangerous situation. I think that no, nothing can identify me more than the anointing of God upon my life. Nothing can identify me more than the stripes of years, amen, in the presence of God, of years of experience in ministry, carrying the scars of someone who has been in the trenches and who has fought and who has had, has had encounters with the enemy face to face and has lived, amen, to tell about it, not because of my own strength, but because God called me into this ministry. God gave me this precision that, that he's placed me in. And so his anointing in my life is what qualifies me. And so Paul many times would identify himself simply because he needed to establish his identity in order for the people to receive his message. When he wrote the letter to Philemon, he chooses the title of a prisoner of Christ Jesus. When he writes to the Thessalonians, he just identifies himself by his name. And again, I reiterate, his identification was based on the content or on the context of what he was about to address with his audience or with the recipients of these letters that he was writing. Now, what's interesting is that the letter to the Philippians, he's writing it from a prison. He was actually, he was under house arrest in Rome, waiting to be tried and waiting probably to be executed. And so in the midst of this, this man of God receives the inspiration to write this word of encouragement. And so I want, I want us to continue reading uh, Philippians chapter 1. We left off in, in verse number 2. But before we move on, grace to you and peace. I love the Amplified Bible because in parentheses it says an inner calm and spiritual well-being. So Paul blesses them with grace and with peace. And I, I, I thought that blessing was so, it was so uh, um, adequate for the times that we're living in now. If there's anything that we can use more of, is the grace of God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Grace, what is grace? Grace is us receiving what we do not deserve. Grace is us receiving unmerited favor. And peace, the peace of God. Jesus told his disciples, listen, my peace I give or my peace I live, leave my peace I give. Not like the world gives it. In other words, the peace that I'm living you is not the peace that the world has. The peace that the world has is temporary. It's transient. But the peace that I give you is eternal. It is a peace that will hold you strong even in the most adverse circumstances. And so Paul uses these two terms to bless Amen, the recipients of this letter. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus. And so I speak that even into your life today. I speak the grace of God upon your life today. I tell you, you ought to meditate more on the fact that you have been highly favored not because of anything that you have done, not because of anything that you have merited, not because of any work that you have accomplished, not because of any deeds that you have, you have uh, carried out. No, you are highly favored simply because you have accepted Jesus Christ because he's the Lord of your life. And, be, and through that sacrifice that he paid on the cross, he has made you highly favored. 
He has given you and he continues to give us grace. Even in this time of uncertainty, even in this time of confusion, even in this time when people are getting all stressed out, amen. We who love Jesus, we who know Jesus, we who have encountered Jesus, we who experience the love of Jesus, we who not only know him intellectually, but we have experienced him and we have encountered him and we have had intimacy with him and we come with him, amen, and we have these moments of fellowship with him. We are highly faithful even in the midst of adversity because he's with us. He's blessed us. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's our defender. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. Amen. He has placed a hedge of protection around us. And even if something touches us physically, amen, it can't touch our soul. It can't touch our spirit. Amen. Because we belong to him. So grace be to you. Grace be to us. And peace in this moment where things have gone haywire, where things and the world is going crazy, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding because our peace comes from God the Father and it comes from Jesus Christ, his Son and our Savior. I thank my God in remembrance of you. This was amazing. You know, there were some letters that Paul wrote, and man, he was saying, listen, you know, I'm, 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 really, I'm really not proud. I'm, I'm upset because I, at one of the letters, he, he said, listen, by this time in your walk, you should be eating meat, and yet you're acting like babies. You're still drinking milk. But when he writes to the Philippians, Philippians amen, he says, I thank God in remembrance of you. Though I am in prison, every time I think of you, it produces in me a prayer of thanksgiving. In other words, there was something that these people had, had shared with Paul. There was a love, a favor, a grace, amen, a compassion, amen, that they had a fellowship that they shared with Paul that brought Paul to a place of remembering them. And when he remembered them, all it produced in him is an attitude of thanksgiving. I must confess, folks. And I'm real. I'm real. In my 25 years of ministry, there's some people that have come to my memory that I've literally had to pray to God, God, help me to love them. Help me to bless them. Help me to forgive them. Help me not to hold grudges, not to hold any bitter feelings against them. Because when you remember them, you remember, amen, <laughs> the difficulties that you had with them. You remember them as people that you invested yourself, invested your energies. You poured out your, your, your heart into them, and yet they, they never grew. They never, never grew spiritually. These are the people that instead of helping you carry the load, usually they become part of the load. And so... For those people, I pray. I say, bless them, Lord. I said, help me, Lord, that I, when I remember them, I would not hold those things against them, but that I would be able to, to speak blessings over their lives, that, that I would believe that, that you're able, you probably transformed them already, and if not, come, there will come a day you will transform them. But these people in Philippi, there's other people that you think about, even in ministry, that when you remember them, even if they leave, even if they've gone, amen, and they've, they've moved, amen, but when you think of them, all that comes to memory is the blessings that they have been into your life. It's how, how much partnership they had with you, amen. And, and, and I thank God because some of the people that have been watching these programs, we have been disconnected for years. And, and through these live streams, they've been able to reconnect again. And as I think of them, amen, I think of the amazing memories, amen, that we were able to create throughout the years. And every time I think of them, I, I say, God, bless them. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you gave me. And that you, you, you gave me oh, that, to have them a, a, being a part of my life. And so he, he remembered these people and he always gave thanksgiving. Always offering, verse number four, always offering every prayer of mine with joy. And with specific requests for all of you. Now, I want you to remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter. He is in prison. 
He is in bondage. His feet are tied. His hands are tied. Amen. He is awaiting to be given the sentence and be executed. And in the midst of that situation, look at his expression. He says, always offering every prayer of mine with joy. He doesn't use the word happy because happiness fluctuates. Happiness is based on your, your present situation on that moment. You could be happy when you got a pay raise. You could be happy when you got a promotion. You could be happy when you're on your way to, on, to, on a, on a, on a two-week vacation. You could be happy. But once that vacation is done, once, that, once you settle into that promotion and you realize how much responsibility comes with that paycheck, amen, all of a sudden that happiness just fades, amen? Can I get a witness out there? Can I get a witness? Because happiness is really, it's, it's fickle. It's based on your circumstance at that present moment. But Paul is not speaking about happiness here. He's, he's in prison. And yet, he's speaking about joy. Joy. Folks, let me tell you something. As hard as it's been for us, and even harder for those who have been personally affected by this virus, as hard as it been for those who have lost loved ones, and we in no way minimize the pain, the suffering, the hardship. As a matter of fact, I can't even relate. I can't even fathom the pain that some people are going through. But even us that have not been directly affected, we're still feeling, we're still feeling the effects. You know, some of us going crazy just being homebound. And I say some of us, that doesn't include me. I'm happy. Amen. So don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm happy. Being homebound, I'm fine being with my wife. As a matter of fact, before my children uh, uh, got married and left the house, I was always counting down the days when they would get married and leave the house because I was looking forward to being, spending time with my wife. And we're having a great time. This ha really hasn't affected us that much because we, we're used to being at home. We're used to spending time together. Yes, there's times where we're separate. She has certain things that she likes and I have, but we always find time to come together. And so we love that. Amen. And so, but, but I guess my, my point is that no matter how hard this has been, none of us can really say that we are in the precision or going through the crisis that Paul is going through at that moment. And yet in the midst of that crisis, he's able to express joy. Because joy is is a, is a vital component, is a vital ingredient in the life of a believer. No true believer, amen, can, can, can say that, that they lack joy or that they are in such a state of depression or in such a state of oppression that, that they would consider doing something that's not pleasing to God. We've heard about the stories of people harming themselves and taking their own lives because of oppression. But believers, we have a joy, folks. No matter how stressed we are, we have a joy. And let me tell you, not only do we have a joy, we have a responsibility, amen, to display that joy to those that surround us that right now are experiencing helplessness and hopelessness that are experiencing levels of depression, I would, I, would, I would ask you humbly and from the bottom of my heart, man, as a believer, when you convey a message, make sure that you're conveying a message of hope, a message of joy. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't go through situations where, where we experience, you know, we experience a... Uh, 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 hardship or we experience sadness or we experience sorrow or we experience pain. Yes, we go through that, but we have a joy, amen, that the Bible says that that joy that God has given us really is the source of our strength. So there's nothing that you can be going through, amen, that joy is not able to bring you through it because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so joy, joy is something that Paul was experiencing even while he was in bondage, even while he was waiting to be executed. He was able to experience the joy, and he was able to convey that joy. I think that when Paul is writing, amen, and these people are reading, they're almost getting an image. 
of Paul, bound by chains, but with a smile, with a, with a joy, like the Bible says, unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And that's really what sustains us. And so the Lord is telling us even today, as we go through whatever we're going through, amen, don't ever forget that God has given you joy, that the joy of the Lord resides within you, and that you are not only someone that's to enjoy joy, but you are someone to carry joy, and you are someone that God has anointed to be able to share that joy with others so that they can experience the same thing that you experience through the joy of the Lord. And so, verse number four, always offering every prayer of mine with joy and with specific requests for all of you. Thanking God for your participation and partnership, both comforting fellowship and gracious contributions in advancing the good news regarding salvation from the day you heard it until now. When Paul visited Philippi, it was in his second missionary trip, and so he was able to start this, this fellowship in the city, but it didn't come easily. As a matter of fact, Paul was in prison in Philippi while he was there because he encountered this young lady who was being used. She, was a, she, she, she had the spirit of divination and, and, and uh, 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 fortune-telling. And so she was being used by the enemy, and she was being used also by her masters so that they can gain a, 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 a profit, amen, uh, on, uh, based on, on, on her, what they, what they consider giftings. We know those were not giftings. We know those are spirits, amen. And so Paul was so bothered by this young woman going around and professing something that was true. She was calling them servants of the Most High God. But Paul knew that this confession was not really coming from the Spirit of God, but it was coming from a spirit of deception. And that spirit of deception was trying to deceive him. But when you have the Spirit of God, amen, nothing can deceive you because you have discernment, amen. You're able to discern what is of God and what is not, amen. Not everything that speaks godly necessarily comes from God. And so so as believers, we have to have the spirit of discernment. Paul had the spirit of discernment. And so to cut a long story short, amen, he cast the devil out of that young lady. And because of that, there was a group that rised up against him and, and created a false accusation. And they brought him before the rulers. And so he was sentenced and put in a prison in Philippi. And you know the story. At midnight, Paul and Silas, his buddy, both of them in prison, instead of crying, instead of whining, come on. Sometimes we cry and whine for the most minute trials. Sometimes we cry and whine and we, we act like we're martyrs. Amen. For the most minute things. I'm saying in comparison to what the apostles went through. Paul in the middle of the night, midnight hour, he and Silas began to sing, to worship, to praise God. And you know what happened. There was a supernatural Amen. Shaking in those prison walls that loosened them and freed them. And through that freedom, Paul was able to win for Jesus Christ, the jailer and his entire family. And so Paul had been to Philippi. He had, he had experienced the, the fellowship of these brethren. Not only that, but in a time of need, Paul asked them to help. And they were going through a time of need themselves. But they, from their generous heart, they were able to give offerings to help the people in Jerusalem. And so Paul knew that these were special people. And so he had experienced the comforting fellowship that, that they were able to offer. Amen. And so he, he writes to them in verse number six, I am convinced and confident of this very thing. And he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect it and complete it until the day of Jesus, of the day of Jesus Christ, which means the day of his return. And so he's encouraging them. He's blessing them. He's remembering them. He's highlighting all, all the things that they have done that have been a blessing not only to him but to many others. And, and he encourages them and says, listen, don't give up no matter what you're going through because the work that you're doing was not begun by Paul. It was not begun by Silas. It was not begun by man. The work that you are doing was begun in you by God, by Christ. And he who's began, who began a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. And he will complete it. I want you to know God is faithful. I want you to know no matter what we're going through, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's something good that's happening. Even in the midst of what's going on right now, I was telling a group of pastors this morning, 
Listen, I pray that we will not set our eyes on the visible, but I pray that we will press on to look at the invisible, to look, amen, at what God is doing in the midst of what seems disastrous, in the midst of what seems chaotic. God is doing something. God is doing something in his church. God is doing something in believers. God is doing something in us that is going to have a global impact. It's not only going to impact the church, but it's going to impact the loss. I believe that what God is doing in us and that work that he's perfecting in us, even through this trying times, amen, amen, is going to take us to a greater level of effectiveness, a greater level of impact, a greater level of influence. And so don't give up no matter how hard it is. You might have lost your job. You might have lost a loved one. You might yourself have been, uh, have contracted the disease, amen. And, and right now you might be struggling, not knowing, you know, what reactions you're going to have. But I'm telling you, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't give up. He started a good work in you. He's not going to take you before that work is finished. God, amen, is faithful and just, he's not someone that starts to work and then drops it. He's not Jay Maldonado that would sometimes take a project and start it and then drop it. And I'm using myself, but a lot of you that are watching, you know what I'm talking about. How many projects, how many things we have set out to do. And it's a matter of time before we drop it. God is not us. When God begins a good work, he finishes it. He perfects it. We're not, we're not perfected yet. We have not reached that full perfection. We will one day. But God is perfecting us every day. He's sanctifying us every day. All we got to do is hang on to God. All we got to do is hang on to that joy. All we got to do is receive that grace that he's given us. All we got to do is hang on to that peace that surpasses all understanding and begin to act as people who have the peace of God, as people who have the joy of God, as people who, has been, who have been highly favored by God. We got to start acting that way, folks, because the world is watching how we react. And so the question that I would have for you is, if the world is watching you now, if your unbelieving relatives are watching you now, what are they getting from you? Are you conveying the same message as the world? Or are you conveying a message of hope? Are you being like the people of Philippi? Conveying a message of hope, a message of grace, a message of joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so, continue reading. God is, he will perfect and complete in us the work that he began on the day of Jesus Christ, meaning the day that he returns. It is right for me to feel this way about you. In other words, all this joy that I feel and all these expressions of the positive expressions that I have, that I have spoken about you, it is right. I have the right to feel this way about you because you have me in your heart as well as I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the good news, all of you have shared in grace with me. For God is my witness how long how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And in this I pray that your love may abound more and more in real knowledge and in practical insight so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And in parentheses, he says, so that his glory may be both revealed and may also be recognized. This is what the brethren in, Philipp in, in, in Philippi were about. And Paul commends them because of the way that they were carrying themselves, even in the midst of lack, even in the midst of trying times, even when they were being, in, in many ways, uh, 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 false, false teachers were trying to infiltrate them. And if you read chapter, I think it's chapter 3 or chapter 4, it speaks about how these 
these, these men would come, these Jewish men would come and try to, try to uh, 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 confuse them, the message that they receive of salvation and grace and, and salvation by faith. They would try to confuse them by trying to implement legalism. And even as they were facing all of this, Paul is saying, your conduct is worth mentioning. Your conduct make, brings joy to me. Amen. The way that you have carried yourself brings joy to me. And so I'm going to continue this message the next time that I preach. I'm going to start from verse number 12 because there's something very important in those next verses that I want to bring about. But today, really, in the beginning of this Of this message and the title of this series is how much does Jesus really matter to you or what really matters to you what what do you value most it seems like the people in Philippi they valued God more than anything else and that's why they're able to behave in a manner that reflects their value amen we're complaining many times, and I include myself in that because, you know, as I said before, there's so many things that have been taken away. Parents are complaining because now they have to homeschool or they have the kids home all day. And, and I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, man, if we would if we would stop looking at the negative aspect of, of what's going on and we would ask the Spirit of God to reveal us what's behind all of this, what is he doing, what is he working behind all of this, I think we would come to conclusions and we would, we would, we would uh, uh, conclude that, that there's a reason why God has allowed us to go through this. You know, how, for how many years have parents been complaining about how the public school system is indoctrinating their children in secularism and is indoctrinating them in accepting things that are contrary to the word of God. You've had seven weeks. You've had seven weeks to debunk that indoctrination, to debunk that secularist and humanistic philosophy. You've had seven weeks to impart into the lives of your children the true word of God. And so rather than complain, let's be joyful. Rather than complain that we're stuck home with our husbands, amen, or with our wives, amen, let's be joyful. It's a great time for us to, to do family together, but more than that, it's a great time for do the family altar together. It is a great time for husbands to pray with their wives and wives to pray with their husbands and to minister to one another. Because now there's nothing else to do. Everything has been taken away, so this is a great time. God, I believe God is calling us. During this season, he's trying to draw our attention back. He's trying to tell us what really matters, what's, what, what is the thing that should be most valuable to us. God, family, and just true fellowship, true friendship, even though we can't be together. But it's wonderful when we're able to speak to one another through the phone or or FaceTime one another, amen, and connect. And I encourage the people from our church, amen, do not stop doing community. We're doing it in a different way. It's a different form of community, but we still should continue doing community. I, I, I am grateful when I hear Pastor Gabe and, and the young people are having their times together on a weekly basis. And I encourage everybody in this church, amen, do community together. Encourage one another. Amen. Share stories of joy. Share testimonies of what God is doing in the midst of all this chaos. Amen. See something positive behind this. Because at the end of the day, no matter what we're going through, we have his grace, we have his joy, and we have his peace. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's really what matters to us. And so this is an excellent time for us to really reevaluate reconsider and reprioritize our lives and what values we have. Amen. I pray that this message is only an introduction. Amen. But I pray that the words that I've shared this evening would be an encouragement to you, to your family. Amen. Let's make the most 
of this time. Let's maximize this moment. This is a window of opportunity that God has given us. I know it doesn't seem that way, but if you think with the mind of the Spirit, this is a window of opportunity that God has given us to draw closer to Him. Because as we draw closer to Him, then He equips us so that we can be more effective in the work of His kingdom. Amen. Be blessed. I want to pray with you right now as we conclude this message. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray grace, we pray joy, we pray peace over everyone that's watching this morning. We pray blessings. We pray, Father, that we will not be distracted by the things that are visible that we would really understand that we do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. That we would really understand, oh God, that we are not controlled by the things that are seen, but we are under the control of an unseen God, but a God that's very much engaged in every aspect and every facet of our lives. And so I just pray that in this time, oh God, of, of seclusion in many ways, that we would encounter you face to face, that we would encounter you in a way that changes our minds, that changes our attitude, that changes even the things that we value, that we would consider, oh God, and know that, that what values and matters most to you should be what, what we value and should be what, what matters most to us. And so, Father, I just pray blessings. I pray that if there's anyone that's hearing that still has not experience a relationship with the living God. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction over their lives. Lord, that you would forgive them of their sins, that they would be able to confess with their mouths and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God has raised them from the dead and that he has made them not only Savior, but he has made them Lord, that they will be able to confess that with their mouths, receive it in their hearts. And as they do, Lord, we declare that they are saved. We declare that they are saved. We declare that now they are part of that community that receives the grace, the joy, and the peace of God, which helps us through any circumstance in life. And so for that, we thank you and we praise you.